Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. It's Upworthy Weekly, and I'm Todd Perry, the staff writer here at Upworthy. And by the way, just we're just celebrating right now. This was the biggest month we've had at Upworthy in terms of people reading our articles. Our biggest month in five years. So uh, to the great ed- uh, Upworthy staff, uh, we have uh, Eric, the editor, and our writers, Annie and Heather, and uh, myself. And we have a whole bunch of freelancers and stuff that have help- helped us out too. But thank you, everybody, for making this the best month in five years. Congrats to all them, but do you think that maybe it's not a coincidence that the same month that the podcast launched, wow, what a month for clicks. Yeah, I think we're sending people back. You know, the people listen to us talk (laughs) about the article, and then they're like, you know, I want to read the actual verbatim words that came from the wonderful Upworthy writing staff. That's definitely what's happening. And you're welcome. And also on the show with me, is the great Allison Rosen, and you know her from the super popular podcast, Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, and Childish with her co-host, comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. You've also heard her on the Adam Carolla Show, which she co-hosted for four years, and seen her on Comedy Central's At Midnight. Hello. Hello. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta get in the rhythm here. Smooth. So on the show today, we're going to review some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories for the week of November 29th through December 3rd. Allison, what do you have? Mm, I have a lot of good stuff. Okay, so Todd, you know how lists of life advice on the internet tend to have a couple bits of decent advice and then the rest is just like you're scrolling, 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 trying to find something uh, and it's not that good. Well, one brave man said, no more. He is going to put together the definitive list. And this is from a story with the headline, One person has crowdsourced the very best life advice from over 20 million people online. This is by Heather Wake, and it ran on Friday. A guy named Chris Sladchuk, and I'm taking a guess. I'm taking a stab with how you say that last name. And I feel like I feel pretty good about it. He says, quote, most advice sucks. So I crowdsourced the best from 20 million people on Reddit. Here are 10 uh, life I wrote, here are 10 life you wish you knew yesterday. I wonder what it actually was. Here are 10, you know what? 10 pieces of life advice you wish you knew yesterday. How's that? Is that right? That sounds right. Sounds right, yeah. He says, most advice sucks, so I crowdsourced the best from 20 million people on Reddit. Here are 10 pieces of life advice you wished you knew yesterday. And I just pulled out, uh, I pulled out five of them. Here's one, which I think is uh, awfully smart, and he calls it the airplane mode hack. If you're stuck on an annoying call, put your phone on airplane mode instead of hanging up. The other person sees call failed instead of call ended. Have you ever actually done something like that? No, but I I wouldn't know how to do it. Uh, This seems to be like the best way to handle one of those calls when maybe you're in the car and you can bust Mm -hmm. the, oh, going into a tunnel. Yes. And then that's what yeah, that's what he's that's what he says. He says, uh, you know, instead of doing the tunnel thing, you just pu- do this move. I have never even I'm I'm such a naive, innocent in this cruel world, Todd. <laughs> I've only ever just stayed on the phone or if I needed to go, I've said I need to go. I've never pulled any phone shenanigans, but I 
I, I would like to. Well, it could just mean that you don't have anybody in your life that doesn't know how to take the let's get off the phone hint. Oh, but I mean, it could mean that, but it doesn't mean that. Oh, so you there do are know definitely, people. Okay. Yeah. This is not exactly the same. They, we need a hack for like how to leave your parents' house when it's past the kids' bedtime. Because oh. my friend once nicknamed my parents house and no offense if they're listening the tar pit because it's like it, it was it's always it takes me three hours to leave and then add two little kids in the mix and we have to start saying goodbye at like seven and we get out of there around 10 i would like to know is everyone's parents house this impossible to leave uh it's impossible to leave my mom's place only because right before i get ready to leave she starts like tacking on things she'd like me to yes. do around the house. So it's like, I'm just getting ready to leave. And I'm like, okay, we've got everything. We've got the Christmas presents. It's been a wonderful. Then Todd, uh, I've got a light bulb that I think may go out in the next six months <laughs> in the kitchen. And if you could, you know, just get on top, you know, get on the thing and change it. And then when I go to change it, it's like, could you, could you bring the cover down to me so I can wash it? You know, and so yes. she washes it and dries it. And then again, my wife is self-emulating over in the bedroom. <laughs> and then her printer isn't working. So then it's like, could you mm -hmm. get, can you change out? I think it's the ink in the printer. I'm like, you bought this Epson during the Clinton administration. I think it's time to upgrade it and nothing. So that's, I get kind of nickel and dimed the, while mm -hmm. I have you here. And yeah, there's an, she needs yeah. to keep a list. And give you the list as you walk through the door so that you can manage your time. Yeah, my mom also, it's not tasks around the house, but it's questions that she, of things she wants to ask me. Uh, and she like, when I start to pull away, when I start to say like, oh, we're going to get ready to go. Then she just heats up and all of a sudden it's an interrogation. <laughs> she heats up. Moms of adult children listening to this, if you have tasks you need your children to do, Hit them with it right when they walk through the door. I know you might be thinking, no, I will drive them away. You won't. We don't like what happens at the end. No, because we're just right. trying to get home. Yeah. More advice. For, Here's for one. Mr. Sweet for Chuck or whatever his name is. Sweet Chuck. Mr. Sweet Cheeks. <laughs> Chris Sladchuk says, for, this is for keeping your cool. This is really good. If someone insults you during a meeting... Pretend like you didn't hear them the first time. Politely ask them to repeat themselves. They'll either repeat the insult and look rude or realize their mistake and apologize. I wonder if this works on podcasts. So let's just say you... What did you, what did you just say? Let's just say you said something, Allison, and then uh -huh. I took a break and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I had, you know, I went, I went, went beneath a bridge. Uh, Allison, could you repeat that once again just so I've got it clear? Right. And then I would say, here's what I said, Todd. I said people who hate Christmas music, but who only like that Mariah Carey Christmas song have no sense, ha have no taste in art. I, d I doubled down. Okay. I know. So you're the, you're the wrong person to use this technique on because obviously. Oh, sorry. Let me, let me try it again. Let me try it again. I'll do it. I'll do it the way Chris Sweet Cheeks recommends. So, Allison, could you repeat that? I think I misheard you. Oh, I was just talking to myself. So, anyway, let's move on. Oh, I like that. Right? Like that? Okay. I was just talking to myself. Uh, about Mariah Carey <laughs> and Christmas music. No biggie. <laughs> I'll have you know, I, lis I purposefully listened to that song, a song which I declared I don't like, 
because I wanted to see if maybe I'm wrong about it. Oh. This is what a good co-host and friend I am. Yeah. I was like, you know, maybe I have planted my flag in this hill. Do you plant a flag in a hill? Maybe I've done that. And maybe I'm wrong because not everyone agrees with me, which is an unusual sensation for me. So I listened to it and I have to say, I was like, yeah, I don't need to hear that again. Oh, so geez. I have, <laughs> oh. it was fine. It didn't cause, like, I didn't throw up or anything, but I didn't come around on it. I what as, and I want my tombstone to say this, I was right. I, it's not that I don't love it. I'm sorry. So many people I know love that song and I don't get it. I think right now this is what's called a triple down, <laughs> which started as a, a, which became a backhanded compliment as well. It's like, know. you know what? Uh, I'm going to give you another chance here because I could be wrong. And then yeah. you just went stronger on your opinion. You took another opportunity to tell me that I was wrong in the fact that All I Want for Christmas is You is a brilliant pop song and is the holiday spirit encapsulated in three minutes and 42 seconds of bouncy 60 retros joy. I want that three minutes and 42 seconds back. Um, Yeah, this is sort of like, you know, when people who are cynical or pessimistic, they're like, no, but really, I'm an optimist because I believe the world could be a certain way, which is why I'm so dour. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with people who do that. Uh. This is like me going, Todd, I'm so nice that I have to be extra mean. Right. About being correct. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so willing to be wrong. I proved to myself that I was right. Uh, here's another life hack. If you ever want software online for free, don't search for free. Search for open source to avoid limited trial versions and malware. I've never actually done that, but that does seem like a, like good advice. Because if you look for something with the word, if you search free, you're just going to get a lot of advertising. Yeah, I just end up getting something weird on my toolbar that I never get rid of. Yes, exactly. Um, oh, here's a good one for arguments. Say... Uh, what proof, if you're having an argument with someone, say, what proof would it take to change your mind? And if they can't give you an answer, then stop wasting your time. That's really good. Although, I think some people, if you, if you said to them, what proof would it take to change your mind, they would uh, get kind of snippy with you and they wouldn't answer it honestly. I mean, I guess that's what he's saying. At that point, just check out. Right. At, at that point, also, that person knows that they've got nothing. They've got nothing in their pocket. And right. It's like, I think it was uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. There was some kind of creationist versus evolution debate. And mm -hmm. Bill and the, the gentleman who was into creationism, uh, Bill Nye asked him, he goes, what evidence for my side of the argument that's for evolution could I show you that would change your mind? And the guy said, nope. Uh, my faith is so strong that nothing would ever change my mind. And so then right. Bill and I goes, OK, then we shouldn't even be discussing this because you're, you know, you're completely not going to move from your position. Does Bill Nye know Chris Sweetcheeks? Because that is exactly what he's recommending. Well, he was a lab assistant on Bill Nye the Science Guy <laughs> a long time. And he, he's one of those kids in the videos that just gets berated the entire time yes. by Bill Nye. Like a poor little six-year-old that's like, you know, trembling when he's holding a Bunsen burner. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's who Mr. Sweet Chuck was. Sweet Chuck. I f- you know, I think that making fun of someone's name is like the lowest form of humor, but I think we're <laughs> celebrating his name. But I just want to say... <sighs> Could you repeat oh, that I'm again? Sorry. I didn't quite hear you. I was driving beneath a bridge. Ontario passes a new rule making it illegal for bosses to bug their employees after hours. Th- and we're talking about Ontario, Canada, not the city in California. The, right. the Ontario government on Tuesday passed a new law that it says will create better work-life balance for workers and give them the right to disconnect. According to CTV News, the newly passed Working for Workers Act, I, I, I love the uh, wordsmith that came up with that. <laughs> get, a, get a thesaurus, dude. How about, it's the same guy who came up with the term coalition of the willing going into the Iraq war, I feel. Um The newly passed Working for Workers Act requires Ontario businesses with 25 or more employees to have a written policy about employees disconnecting from their job at the end of the workday so they can spend more time with their families. So basically, they're trying to put an end to the fact that after you get off of work, uh, your boss can hit you up at any time of the day, so you're never really off. Uh, And I get this because I think these types of laws or these things should be considered because this is a new world we're living in where obviously people have their email on their phones and they're accessible all the time. But I feel like, you know, government and labor laws have not, as usual, they kind of drag behind mm-hmm. uh, this kind of idea. And, you know, in certain ways I like this because it allows you to completely decompress and not feel forced to answer an email uh, while you're cooking and you're, you know, half a bottle of Chardonnay into making a great Italian sauce and then you've, you've got your boss hitting you up. Um, but then also I'm sure it's a lot of red tape for business owners who are trying to get things done. So I, right. I, I can see where a little bit it's weird, but I like the basic idea of let's put workers time with their family first. I hadn't considered the bureaucracy red tape, uh, giving the government more power angle of it. Um, my reaction, uh, was just, this is a good idea. Because I do think at this point, people, and especially now in the pandemic, people are expected to work around the clock. And I think that most people have pretty poor uh, work-life balance. I mean, I know I do. I will, I'll be reading, you know, first of all, I don't have a separate work email. I just have my one email. And so it's personal stuff and work stuff. And I have poor sleep hygiene, so I check (laughs) it all in the middle of the night and uh, you know, or before I get up. And so it's, it's really not, uh, I don't have good boundaries around it at all. That being said, and I I imagine there's people in your life who have done this too. When I encounter someone who you send them an email and you get an automatic reply, that's like, I check my email between the hours of this and this, if you don't hear from me right away, or sorry, if it's something important, uh, you know, and you have my number, give me a call or whatever. And I'm always like, it seems like such a, a robust move. And yet I admire it. It seems super condescending. It's like, I know your time isn't very valuable, but mine is. Yeah, uh, maybe. It depends. I think that's one of those things where if you fundamentally like the person, then you're like, good for them taking charge of their hours. But if you kind of dislike the person, then you're like, this is so, this is classic Fred or whatever. 
Yes. Thinking he's better than we are. I always wonder. So let's say it's like a Saturday evening. And this actually happened very recently. Uh, it was, there's a podcast that I wanted to be a guest on. Um, and I know the producer of it. So I sent an e- one of those emails just been like, hey, if you're looking for a guest, I'd love to come on. So I can tell the world about Upworthy Weekly, which I'm so excited to be a part of. I'm glad and that you have a I'm, – I'm, I'm saying I'm glad you have a terrible work-life balance. It's, it's beneficial <laughs> to me. Yeah. So it was Thanksgiving weekend. It was a Saturday or a Sunday. And I was like, is it rude to send this email right now? And I decided – I remember it was a Saturday evening. And I, said, I decided it's not rude to send the email because she can just check it when she's at work. And then she responded the next day and offered me a date. So I sent it on a Saturday. She responded on a Sunday. None of us ever are off work. Yes. And does that mean that, you know, on that Sunday when you're sitting here hanging out with your kids at the, you know, going to go pick out a Christmas tree or whatever, does it mean that even if you're not consciously thinking about work, that subconsciously there's just part of you that's tethered to that thing that makes oh, yes. everything a little bit more tense or anxiety ridden. Just kind of like having your phone on you gives you this weird thing of, I need to be alert to if this thing buzzes, right? Yeah. Well, I've talked before about my horrendous phone addiction. And again, I do own a book which, pr- which promises to cure me of it. I just haven't read the entire thing yet so I can't start implementing any of the tips until I read the entire thing which I never will um yeah I it does I I would love to be more present and I and I I have moments of being more present but um in general yes part of my mind is always thinking about work now at Upworthy our big deal is uh finding solutions to things and so I think that there's a way to make all this work it's like if your job is going to contact you after hours, you can bill them. Even if you're yeah. on salary, you know, you just have a little thing that you put into HR like, oh, I sat in, I had to proofread an article on Sunday morning because it was littered with typos because I wrote it um, <laughs> and go back in there and have to fix it. I Or if, you know, you're gym in accounting at a certain business and they need to reconcile some invoices and you have to do it on Saturday night, even if you're on salary, you should bill them for the work. And then your work will be less likely to bother you. And then you'll be compensated for that time over what you use. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think that in uh, psychological terms, that's conditioning. So essentially, it's like every time they want to bug you on the weekend, you're taking a spray bottle and squirting them. So I want to tell you guys about a new show that I think you will love, People Magazine's People Every Day. It's hosted by editor-at-large Janine Rubenstein. People Every Day is a mix of the most popular celebrity and inspirational human interest stories mixed with entertainment news, exclusive interviews, and feature stories. From unpacking Britney Spears' conservatorship and culture scandals to interviews with stars like Julianne Moore, The Rock, Chelsea Clinton, and more, People Every Day is your daily dose of pop culture and what makes us human. And that is available wherever you get your podcast. Just search for People Every Day. So imagine moving in with your significant other only to find out they know nothing about basic adult responsibilities like cleaning, doing laundry, paying bills, cooking. 
Uh, a woman decided she didn't want to move in with her boyfriend when she discovered that his mom had basically been doing everything for him. This is from a story with the headline, Woman Refuses to Move In with Boyfriend Until He Learns Some Basic Chores, and she asks if she's wrong. This is by Jissa Joseph, and it ran on Wednesday. In a now viral post, a woman asked a Reddit community if she's wrong for refusing to teach her boyfriend to do basic household chores. Uh, She says, I'm 20. My boyfriend is 24. We've been dating for a while and are thinking about moving in together. Right now, he still lives at home. I have my own apartment. The idea is we would find a bigger apartment together. Here's the problem. In a different conversation, he dropped, I'd wear a nice shirt out, but I don't know if my mom (laughs) has done laundry yet. I was surprised and asked him if his mom always did his laundry. That's how this conversation started. Turns out his mom does everything, and I do mean everything. He can't cook anything. He doesn't know how to clean anything, never had to budget his money. I told him I didn't want to move in with him until he could at least do the basic things. I'm scared of taking on the teacher-slash-mom role in the relationship and not being able to escape it, if that makes sense. And her boyfriend did not uh, take this stance, take to this kindly. He felt like... Uh, if she trusts him and likes him, she should just, you know, be patient while he learns and she should teach him how to do all these things. But she feels like, uh, he should just ask his mom or watch some YouTube videos. And some people felt like he was in the right, but the vast majority, (laughs) I'm I'm looking at your facial expression and, uh, it's funny. You look like you smelled something foul. Uh, the vast yeah. majority of commenters feel that she is perfectly justified in not wanting to be his mom. I think she's a hundred percent right. I, you know, I don't think there's any debate on that. The, I mean, obviously, all those things are red flags. And then the fact that his solution was, I'm gonna watch some YouTube videos. About but that was actually her. That was her oh. solution. His solution was. You, girlfriend, teach me how to do it and and trust that I'll pick it up. Oh, yeah, that's horrifying because that's worse. Yeah, what the whole problem is he's not self. He doesn't have any drive to do these things on his own. And he has to develop that first. And it's almost like the the learning the specifics is completely tertiary to having the drive of, oh, I want to go learn my laundry on my own. Uh, Right. He's never. Well, the thing is, he's never had the need to because his mom does all of it and so then if he goes straight from living with his mom who does all of his stuff to then living with the girlfriend he even if he doesn't even if he says he's not going to I think he will expect her to pick up all the slack and to do all these things and you know we had some messages for moms earlier and I've got another round of messages for moms and I am a mother of sons so I should heed my own uh my own warning but listen Mothers of sons, if you do everything for them and they never learn how to do it on their own, if you go above and beyond, if you are doing their laundry when they're adults, they are going to expect their significant other to do this. And that might be an unrealistic expectation, especially if they marry a shrew like me who doesn't (laughs) do my husband's laundry, doesn't do a lot. Like I'm terrible with all of this stuff. Yeah. And my mother-in-law, I don't know how this is possible, but she claims she loves laundry. And I don't mean like she tolerates it. She enjoys it. She like It's like a favor to her if you can give her your laundry. And so when she comes to visit, and I'm 
I'm putting th- I'm putting this whole dynamic on blast. When she comes to visit, my husband gives her a whole buttload of laundry. And she oh, does no. it because she loves it. And I just walk around like, mm, whatever. Now, does she love doing his laundry? She loves or- doing his laundry, but she also would be happy to do my laundry if I wanted to toss some of my own stuff in there. Got it. I think. I mean, there is a kind of joy of you know doing the folding and thinking about other things, but this <laughs> seems to me more just like Leighton. I was a mother once, and I had kids yeah. in the house, and now I don't, and I really want to go back to that because that gave me a sense of purpose. And I, yes, I do think there's an element of that, and I can actually see where, if I'm lucky enough to be a grandparent, I can see where I would feel that as well. This like getting to repeat aspects of child rearing. Right, but this time you enjoy it a lot more because as we talked about last week, the grandmothers almost feel more emotionally bonded to their children, uh, to their grandchildren than their actual children. Uh, So can I ask you a question, though? Because you mentioned that you do all the cooking and you like to do all the cooking. How does your wife feel about that? Because like I said, I don't... I cook occasionally, but it's not like my thing. But I always feel like, are there behind my back some judgments about me as a mom wife because I don't do that I think my wife she has her own interests and talents and that's watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills so I've got my cooking talent and then she has her watching TV talent so does she like Salt Lake City because if so I need to have some conversations with her I actually asked her about this and she goes I'm a Beverly Hills gal that's that's she's a purist yeah so uh my my thought was I had a similar situation with this with my wife when we moved in, not because I wasn't independent. I was like very independent. I was kind of raised by a single mother, you know, that Gen X like I was I wasn't over. Yeah, I was underparented. Mm-hmm. You know, I figured out how to do all these things myself, I feel. And that made me very independent. But also my tolerance for things like dishes, you know, being way up high, you know, I'm. Like the Shel Shel Silverstein poem when it comes to will not take the garbage out, <laughs> uh, like beer cans totally fine in the living room for three nights before. Like I was, you know, in bachelor mode and I can live how I want. No one's gonna mm-hmm. tell me what to do. And my wife and I have a saying that she's OCD and I'm no CD. <laughs> so those two, <laughs> those two things don't really work together because she's a bit extreme in one way and I'm a bit extreme. Um, so we both had to kind of come to the middle on things a bit. And now that we've been married for years and everything, I, we've have, we have our domestic life uh, figured out. But when it first started and we both were living with each other, it was, it was like, I don't know if we're going to make it another couple of weeks because this is getting rough, you know. Because you're so messy? Well, I was then, yeah. I was a pretty messy guy and she was not messy and i also like oh you're not going to tell me what to do which was more of a problem than the mess you got know. it it's time to rate your week have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world Tell us about it by emailing us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. So, Allison. Yes. Rate your week, one through five. Was it a good week? What is it, was it a bad week? Tell us. So, get this. The I had the rare five. 
in that I just, everything, I, I love this time of year. I, we have been decorating. I've been spending a lot of time with my family. I just, I, I've been listening to music, not your terrible Christmas song, but good Christmas music. And I've just been good. My, you know, I do a number of podcasts throughout the week and they all were really fun and we saw some friends. So it would have been the rare five. However, I had to remove a star because I am a member of a Facebook moms group. It's a large Facebook moms group based in one of your hipster L.A. communities, uh, cities. I mean, I don't live in this city, but it's now has like a bunch of members from all over. I don't post in this group anymore because one time I did and it was very unpleasant. And these these are the worst. It's the worst of what you'd imagine of judgmental, sanctimonious LA moms. And I know that there can't be 5,300 judgmental, sanctimonious people, but the ones who post are. So anyway, and there's one that's just especially awful. I just, oh, I close my eyes and I see her. So anyway, I don't even look at it very often, but I, I, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to see what's going on over there. And I, and I, I spent some time looking and then I spent, and I'm, not exaggerating, roughly 18 hours thinking about how irritating they all are, especially this one woman. And that was on and off, but I know that I took a shower and for the entire shower, I was just like the entire, from the moment I stepped in to the moment I toweled off, imagining crafting responses to this woman. So I have reduced a star because... A perfect week does not include that use of time, and it is all my fault. I did this to myself, so it's a four. I think that means your brain was what they call the DMN, DNM, the def- default neural something. It's the part of your brain where like you're not consciously focusing on things, and you go into like the gutter mind, mm-hmm. and the the gutter mind is where you need to like. Uh, settle all your past grievances with conversations yes. you've had with people and it's not yes. like the creative part of your brain it's it's really the it's worst a, it's your lower uh, self yeah it's right? the lower self and look it can be fun to engage and indulge from time to time but w- once you come out of it you're like i just wasted four days thinking about this yeah yes and I, it's it right it makes me feel terror it makes me feel like uh ugh, i really it's like a it's like a um it's like a a toxic binge, a binge on toxicity. I think that would make an awesome like television show, like a reality show, like the sanctimonious moms of LA. Yes. And you get all of them and their children into a room. And that's what it should be called. Pour a little wine and just let them go. Yeah. Sanctimonious moms of LA. Um, I think we have a spinoff project from this podcast. Todd, how was your week on a scale of one to five, one being terrible, five being great? Uh, I'm going to give it a four. Oh, double uh, fours. Well, first of all, uh, we got an amazingly huge plug from Apple Podcasts the other day. Uh, Thank you, Apple Podcasts. Gave us a really nice boost and put our show in front of a lot of people. So that was, uh, you know, good for the ego and good for the show and good for everything we're working on here. So that made me very happy. Um, and then we talked about this before, I think on the demo for this show, but one day... On one, uh, you were talking about 
making a new friend. Yes. And how as you get older, this happens less and less. And on Wednesday nights, I have like a crew of guys I go out with and we play night golf at a golf course right up the street. You know, we play nine holes and it's lit and you sit and have a couple beers and hang out with your buddies and, and play golf. You know, and I'm out there with my buddy Steve that lives up the street and Saul, the punk rock accountant. And <laughs> we're out there having a good time. And then uh, there's a guy playing behind us alone named Chris. And we're like, hey, dude, you want to join us so you don't have to wait for us on every hole? All right, man, cool. And Chris just fell right into the pack. Like, if we were dogs all in one drunken golf mission, like, yeah. he fit in nicely, got along with everybody. And That's so, so cool. Yeah, and so, you know, by about the eighth hole, I kind of was near the other two guys, and I was like, I think Chris gets invited to the bar after, you know? <laughs> you know, we're loser, <laughs> loser buys, and we have a couple cocktails at, you know, at a dive bar across the street. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's great. Maybe. And then then one of the guys was like, we should add him to the text chain. Oh, whoa. Oh, my God. That That's is, moving mean, really fast. It is. It is. I mean, if he survived the bar, you yeah. know, if if he didn't get weird after like three drinks, and you're like, oh, no, was, uh, we got to back off this kid. But mm -hmm. he was great. He even got more interesting the more he drank. And he left at the right time. You know, it wasn't one of these. All right, we got to go. You know, time time to split kind of thing. So right, yeah. Uh, so that was what helped make my week better. Was I made a new friend? So I have some follow up questions. Have you had communication with him since? You know, I think Saul, the punk rock accountant, got his number and has been in touch with him. So I think he's taking the lead on this relationship okay. and managing it for the rest of us. I have. To, I must confess, and I'm not a true crime person, really. Maybe the pandemic is making me paranoid or something. But when you mentioned Chris just solo golfing behind you, you know, joining the fold seamlessly, a tiny little warning went off of like, what if he's, I don't know, what if he has nefarious interests? It all started at Hartwell <laughs> Golf Course in Long Beach, California, <laughs> when the seemingly unassuming anime fan in the title is hat, right? It's exactly what I'm saying. I didn't. What's that movie with Matt Damon? He, the talented Mr. Ripley. Yes. Isn't golf part of it? Could be. Yeah. Or Italy or something. I know nothing about this movie, but doesn't he? Does he pretend to be someone? Yes. Yes. And, uh, potentially one Mr. Ripley. I'm saying, what if you guys are getting rippled? <laughs> that sounds even more interesting. I know. I got rippled. Man. You might be getting rippled. I uh, I uh, spoke over the part where we're supposed to say, are we better people this week? And I'm just going to come out with it. I'm definitely not a better person because I spent 18 hours crafting responses to a woman I don't know. Good. Yes, that, that makes you a worse person. I'm a worse definitely. person, but I recognized it. So maybe I'm getting better i don't know you kind of pulled yourself out of it a little bit on the 19th hour <laughs> yeah you gotta <laughs> give yourself three weeks of of not doing that oh my god that seems cruel i think i'm a little bit better because i got back on my meditation routine after not meditating because of the holiday uh Good for because you. of thanksgiving and having my kid home all you can't meditate in a house with people like mm -mm. i have to be alone when i get out of the shower naked on the uh, floor of the the bathroom, and really? I do, yeah, 
Because it's like it's real easy because it's just part of your routine. Like anything that's, you know, kind of good for you, I think the best thing is just to incorporate it into your routine. So I sit and I put my towel on the ground and I set my timer and then I do my thing and then I, I then I towel back on, Kay. you know, and then I go back and worry, uh, start worrying about the real sanctimonious mothers of Los Angeles pitch meeting that we're having later today. It's moving very fast, just like your friendship with Chris. I mean, uh, bravo for this routine, but I can't be the only person thinking the only way you can incorporate it into your day is to do it naked on your bathroom floor. Like there's, I'm sure that's not where you brush your teeth. It wasn't me. Like should this, we were both both naked laying on <laughs> People share the 18 things that are a subtle sign someone is really smart. And this was, uh, this was written by me, actually. I found this online on Reddit, and I thought it was something we could share with people. Like, I love that earlier we did a list of things. It was actually practical advice. And mm -hmm. I think that's what Upworthy is pretty darn good at. We try to find that stuff and share it with the world. And this one was cool, too, because in knowing the traits that make people intelligent, we can look at ourselves and go, oh, I don't do that. Or, <laughs> oh, maybe I do do that. That's cool. Or maybe, oh, there's a person in my life that does that. I should commend them for it, you know? Right. And I start off with talking about the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. You know about this? this is, you know? um, I am too dumb to know that I don't know about it. No, this is, it's where <laughs> you don't know something. Actually, it's where it's, pretty much what I just said, right? That you're not, your, uh, your lack of, of knowledge or lack of intelligence prevents you from being aware that you right. don't know, right? Right. It's like uh, people of lesser intelligence tend to overestimate how smart they are, and people who are highly intelligent tend to underestimate how smart they are. Right. So it's like you see it when you log into Facebook, and you have people who do the research for themselves versus those <laughs> that listen to doctors. Yeah. But so... This whole list, there's a couple that really stand out. And I say that, first of all, people who are really intelligent, you realize because they know their audience. And someone said, they switch up the way they talk to match the person they're talking to without sounding condescending. Uh, they listen to others and explain it in that person's language of understanding. And I think that's great because not, I mean, there could be, like, I'm smart at some things and I'm really dumb at other things, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So somebody who knows a lot about cars has to, like, get on my level about it. And for them to not be condescending, it's like, okay, you know, but I know more about microphones than you do, right? Or, yeah. or whatever, right? So people who do that, that's awesome. Because, again, it shows their interest is in communicating, not in lording themselves the, over the other person. Right. And they're attuned to the other person. They're not just going on, you know, they're not just rote they can can alter it, uh, they can adapt. Right, and uh, another thing was that curi uh, intelligent people, uh, they're curious about everything. To be intelligent, you need to be knowledgeable, and you can't be knowledgeable if you're never curious. Yeah. And that's the thing, it's like I have a, my buddy Al Chang I've talked about on the show before, and Al is super smart, and one of the reasons is he's curious about everything, like, he comes over, and my wife's an educator. So he starts talking to my wife. He like has like all these questions loaded about education. What about this? What about this? And and really treats her like you're the expert. I want to learn from you versus what I think I know about it. Mm -hmm. And I always really admired that. 
uh, that he was just kind of curious about everything. Like every time I'd see see him and we'd sit and talk, it'd be something else that I never thought was in his interest. You know, he'd be like, you ever look at the design on a Swiss watch? And you're like, well, I, okay, tell me about it. <laughs> well, the number three and the two are actually closer geometrically and this kind of thing, and it makes him captivating. Uh, and another big one is they change their minds with new information. Mm, yes, that's a, a scientist thing. And that is tough because we all have our precious worldviews that we need to keep sacred. And to to do that shows that you are more interested in uh, being right. or you're, you're more interested in getting it right than being right. That was a quote uh, from Colin Coward, who's a sports guy. I was listening to him one day, and he said, you know, there are two people in this world, which always starts off weird for me because there's more than two people in this world. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just may make me smart, but uh, hey, Colin, got something for you. <laughs> no, but and it says there's there's those that want to be right and those that want to get it right, and those that want to be right have their own existing worldview and they want to cherry pick information in order to rationalize their worldview to themselves and others. It's you know the rationale behind watching cable news. It doesn't matter what channel you watch, mm-hmm. you're going there to basically either hear an agenda. Yeah, to hear either Joe Biden is horrible or Joe Biden is wonderful is why mm-hmm. you're, why you're tuning in, and um, but smart people, they look at the information and then develop their worldview out of that. Which I'm just flashing back on the part of the show where I was like, and on my tombstone, I wanted to say I was right, <laughs> and also I and and she got it right. Well, you know, here, I mean, part of this show is us doing these stories in order for ourselves to develop as well. That's right. Thank- yes, we're going to get it right. So, uh, Allison, is there ever anything, a trait that you see in somebody else and you go, ah, they're smart. I-, I caught it, you know. You know, oftentimes I will have this experience where I have known someone for a while and I realize I've never heard them say something stupid oh and then and and it's sort of an absence this this might not make the list and maybe this is bad bad criteria but it's an absence of something that then i i go i start adding it all up and i'm like wait they are quietly incredibly intelligent that or if someone uses a lot of um i i have a pretty decent vocabulary and Mm -hmm. i'm familiar with a number of words uh, and so well, <laughs> if I've someone you, uses, you have the what? best words. People say Allison has the best words. They say that about me. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> this is terrible. This is so terrible. But generally I find that if someone uses phrases or words that I don't know, then I'm like, damn, that, per- <laughs> that person's smart. <laughs> I realize how dumb this sounds, okay? I just, I want you to know I realize how dumb it sounds, but I think I'm on to something. And you? <laughs> I, I just now think that you're really judging me when I did the not, not earlier when I used a no, double I negative. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I really wasn't. Mm. And plus, mm. you were using that colloquially, so I think it's fine. Okay, good. I'm never judging. So I, it's never that I think that person's dumb. I don't, my brain doesn't work that way. It's just occasionally I will think, how did that person know that turn of phrase that I've never encountered? Oh, they must be like on a higher level. 
Irregardless, Allison. <laughs> I think that lots of times I think sense of humor uh, yes. makes somebody intelligent. I think having a good sense of it. And when I was doing research on this story, I found something very interesting. And, you know, they have the Dunning-Kruger effect where people who are less intelligent overestimate their intelligence. Mm -hmm. The thing is that people who do not have a good sense of humor overestimate their sense of humor. Yes, we all know people like that. Yes, so they're the person that's always cracking jokes that nobody laughs at or they don't realize they're getting a courtesy laugh because mm -hmm. they just kind of don't get it. They think their puns are great or they think right. that making fun of somebody's name is funny like I do. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was that funny, but you certainly seem to. Yes. So this next story is uh, one that my four year old would call happy, sad. That's his term for stuff like this. Happy, sad. So grab your hankies. A dog in Utah named Maggie, whose favorite thing ever was to play in the snow, spent her last day doing just that, thanks to the Salt Lake County Parks and Recreation Department, who built her a snow pile. This is from a story with the headline, Dog Spends Last Day Frolicking in the Snow, Thanks to Kind Park Rangers. Rest well, Snow Queen. It oh. is by Shondani G, and it ran on Wednesday. On Facebook, Maggie's parents wrote, Does anyone have a shaved ice machine they have put away for the season? Our sweet dog is passing of cancer on Monday. I'm going to cry. Yeah. We want to build her one last snow bank to roll in. I have a vehicle and containers to transport. I am hoping for about 10 to 20 gallons of ice, but I'm thankful for anything we can get. Saying goodbye to her on Monday around noon, so willing to pay and pick up Monday morning in any reasonable distance from Sugar House. Maggie and both of us thank you all deeply for reading this. Oh, Salt Lake County Parks and Recreation Department. Uh, staff shaved extra ice, loaded it into bins, and gave it to her family. And then uh, We Rate Dogs, that account, posted photos of it and videos of it. It's I don't know if you've seen the, the photos and videos. It's so sweet. She's like this. Oh, yeah. I think she's maybe a Newfoundland. She's just the sweetest girl just sitting on the ice, snow, and like taking bites of it next to a tennis ball. It is so sweet and so heartbreaking. Um, people on Twitter were overwhelmed and shared stories about their own pups last days and photos. And then one responded, is it possible to be so sad that you die? <laughs> Which I related to as well. It's so sweet, but so sad. Oh, but oh, so sweet. I mean, I know. Uh, there's just something about Something about this thing where you try to design the the perfect last day for your dog that it just tugs at my heart. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the dog looked like the dog uh, in Peter Pan, like the Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah. And, and the, the dog's sitting there. And you could tell maybe the dog is unwell because the dog's not moving around much. Mm -hmm. And she sits there, but she has her favorite tennis ball right there. And yeah. it's just in complete peace had to be freezing cold by the way because the dog's just sitting there on ice like no problem but right some some dogs do the cold and i guess if it's a utah dog it's used to it i mean but again spoken like someone wearing 13 shirts yes <laughs> freezing what kind of psycho dog <laughs> what was kind that? Of monster are they giving her a cold last day felt no pain no i think this is wonderful and it's a great thing for all of us to think about because i i 
I guess you'd say this is a benefit that with our animals sometimes, and, you know, we can choose the days they pass, you know. Yes. Uh, humans, you know, you can't. Mm-hmm. But and so you're able to, if you know that's happening, to give a dog that. And I think it's great when stories like this go viral because it gives other people the opportunity. Oh, I should really do something special for my pet before they go away. And it, it reminded me of when I lost my dog Murray about 18 months ago, who was mm-hmm. the love of my life that we were told he had like nine months, but he only had one. Oh God. So we, what was he sick with? Uh, what was it? It was a heart problem, Mm. congestive heart failure. So Mm. the sad thing was that we didn't know, you know, I was just kind of starting to talk to my wife and say, you know what? We should just let Murray eat whatever Murray wants to eat at this point. Like just throw him a steak, whatever. Like he's our, he's our little King and we'll just give him whatever he wants to be happy. And um, unfortunately, you know, it it happened a little sooner than we thought. And I thought, oh, I would have loved to have that opportunity to give him his last perfect send off, you know, which which included, you know, um, some cheese. He loved to eat cheese and he really loved to bite children. So I could (laughs) have, you know, put something on my kid's ankle and let him go to town, you know. Yeah, I think. uh our Wendy loves chocolate, and you are not supposed to give dogs chocolate. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, one time we had gone to seize candy and had a bag of it. was like half pound of chocolate sitting there. And then we walked into the kitchen, and she was on the ground. The bag was on the ground. She had eaten the entire thing, wrappers and all. Uh, and I freaked out, and I called like doggy poison control, and they did some calculations based on her weight and the chocolate, and she was fine, but it wasn't, she didn't even, she did not miss a beat. She didn't get sick, she didn't throw up, no diarrhea, there was nothing. Like, if anything, she seemed better, and ever since then, I think she just, she has a taste for, like, your dog apparently had a taste for children, yes. she has a taste for chocolate, so I think if I knew it was her last day, I would... I would give her some chocolate. One person on Twitter, it was so great. Uh, you know, like I said, all these people were responding to the story of Maggie with stories of their dogs last day. And someone said uh, they, you know, they cleared it with the doctor and then it was okay. They were able to give their dog her favorite lunch, snotty Kleenexes. <laughs> dogs do like gross things. Oh, yes, they do. And I have a lot of horrifying yeah. stories about it with my Jack Russell terrorist. <laughs> so what would your perfect last day be? It's interesting to think about. Yeah, I was thinking about this and I was like, it would probably start with like a mimosa without orange juice. <laughs> so I just get up and have that. And then I think I go maybe golf with some of my friends. Chris, new Chris, yeah, new Chris. Definitely screw all my mm-hmm. old friends. This guy's great. <laughs> He's yeah. not saw the punk rock. Uh, accountant can suck it. Okay, Chris is the you know new what guy. They say make new friends, but ditch the old. I think <laughs> is how it goes. Exactly, and uh, real pain for my sham friends and champagne for my real friends. Yes, I've heard that. Mm. We were watching girls, right? And uh, you know, and and then I'd probably i I'd, I'd take my son to Straw Hat Pizza across the street because, like, my favorite thing is to have a straw hat that's like from 1988 has not been touched. It's like mm-hmm. it's like hermetically sealed straw hat. And my son loves playing the video games and getting tickets and the whole bit. And to me, it's like the most fun thing ever just to sit with him 
and just gab and play games with him and screw around like and have pizza there and he loves pizza and that that to me is like the ultimate like bonding day with my son just a goofy little day at the straw hat you know is, stra- is it like Chuck E. Cheese without the animatronics? Yeah, it's like a much smaller, like less games and everything, and mm-hmm. no, no, no ball pit where you'll get COVID or anything. Uh, and so we do that, and then we get the guys together, play a little music, and then there's an all-you-can-eat lobster buffet that I always see in Westminster that I drive by, and uh, you know when I, if I drive south, and I always see this, and I always think. One day I'm going to go to that all-you-can-eat lobster buffet, and I feel the last day of my life will be that day. I'll take the wife there. That is a pretty busy day. As you were talking about that, I was listening for sure. But I was yeah. also thinking, I might want to take a nap. And like, that's a, you know, I've got the rest of my eternity to nap. So really, I should fight the urge to nap on the last day, like yes. stay awake for the fam. Yeah. But really, a perfect day for me does involve, an, like, and also I'd probably want to get up early, except I know I'm going to want to sleep in. It's real. I mean, thank God I this is not something I can plan that I'm aware of because but I think, you know, I do think, though, that the morning would start very much like one of the days this week where uh, I'm hanging out with the kids in the kitchen cooking, despite the fact that I mentioned that I, I don't cook very often, but cooking and the house smells homey and we're decorating for christmas and we're listening to good christmas music <laughs> and the dog and wendy is there and that would be part of it and then i think i would want to go somewhere beautiful so maybe hawaii or you know i've really been enjoying Descanso gardens have you ever been there uh, i've heard of it over in pasadena right it's pasadena? um la canada la la crescenta La Cañada Flint Ridge. Flint Ridge. Yes. Yeah. La Cañada. La C- I confuse them all, but it's it's near past. It's you're, yes, you're in the same basic vicinity. Uh, and it's just this big um, like botanical garden. And we go there and walk around and it always feels very idyllic. But there's plenty of places like that. So I would like to go to one of those, probably eat some delicious food and then take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> take take the long Long nap. And then if the Grim Reaper comes while I'm napping, but not just any nap. A nap with, and this is going to make me sound very old, I like to take a nap with a heat pad, some sort of form of artificial warmth, a heat. Look, I not all of us can afford 13 jackets, so a heat pad, maybe like a heated throw, get all in a soft pillow, get all snuggly in there, and then it's just lights out. Oh, that is, that is touching. I, I kind of think of I think of the you movie so, AI. You seem so calm about the idea of me departing. Thanks a lot. It's it's fine, you know. Cause I'll be prepared for it. You You're know, right. uh, maybe I'll get a couple lines at your um, at your 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 memorial. You know, uh, she was great. She was great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, and here's Greg Fitzsimmons. <laughs> uh, I'd I like am? to thank. Oh. Sorry. Go ahead. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the Upworthy Weekly Podcast. My name is Todd Perry, and it's been a pleasure talking with you, Allison Rosen. Same. I love it. I love it. Be sure to uh, subscribe and give us a review. That's all we ask. Give us a review. Five stars, maybe four stars, whatever. Uh, but uh, reviews Super go a long five. way to help us. You know. Yes, helps people find the show. And we love to read it. 
and we'll talk to you guys next week. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.